0: Thank you so much for joining me on this call um, on how to be an effective leader. And I am just, it's a pleasure to know you not only as a person, but I just admire the work that you're doing to support leaders all around the world. And so I just would love for you to just introduce yourself to our audience, who you are, um, your extensive experience traveling around the world, supporting other leaders, and yeah, just so people can know who you are.
1: All right, well, thanks, Valentina. I'm honored to be here. And uh, those of you that are listening, I hope you uh, something uh, comes of this today that just gets you uh, thinking differently, because that's really what I try to do in my own little company now. So, real quick, my background uh, I grew up in Indiana. my father had his own small business and i always thought i was going to work for a small business because i watched him do that so well and his office was kind of at our house he he built houses and and was in the construction world and cutting to the chase i ended up getting an economics degree and interviewed with caterpillar inc the company that makes the big yellow machines around the world and interviewed got the job and start and worked for them for 25 years so god has a way of changing our plans so this person that said I'm never going to work for a large company he said no that's absolutely false you are going to work for a large company so again long story short I started off in the financial world of Caterpillar and became a young supervisor and like a lot of you that are listening today and watching I was thrust into leadership with no leadership training I was told basically just make people do the right things uh, whether that's you know doing quality work and doing work on time and behaving right and all that. So it was just, again, thrust upon me. I had a very diverse team. My first supervisory assignment, I had um, older folks, younger folks, male, female, different races, and I loved that. I felt right away that God had me in a place for that, um, that I I just love being around different thought processes, different perspectives. And... Even with that small little supervisory job, my first one, uh, things went well, not because of me, uh, really, but because I think people all got on board with, with a, a, a culture that I, I now try to teach around the world. Mm-hmm. And then Caterpillar sent me into a crazy world of manufacturing, which wasn't my background. And now I became a plant manager, uh, first plant in North Carolina in, when I was 30-ish. And then overseas, Australia, Tokyo, and I'm, I'm skipping some stops along the way. But basically, I was humbled and blessed to be known as a person that could build positive work environments. And, and I saw the formula, so to speak, it was that worked in my very first supervisory position. Of course, I was learning more each step along the way, but I saw it in overseas. Came back to the U.S. in 2009 to, to start a new plant for Caterpillar in Little Rock, Arkansas. And then in 2011, I left that company that I love and still love. I met my wife at Catapult. There's all kinds of things, great things that happened at Catapult. That's the greatest. <laughs> um, but I left really 100% due to a faith calling that said I was to go help people in a new way. And, and it wasn't mm-hmm. going to, at the time, it wasn't this John Harrison company. It was just a, a, a nudge from him, a pretty strong nudge that I was to leave my executive life behind. So Jan and I help people in lots of ways. We do uh, mentoring and discipleship and Bible studies and things like that. But, but the, the John Harrison Company really came out of the same calling of people spending 40, 50, 60 hours every week at work. I saw lots of disengaged people uh, at, at different jobs, at, you know, Caterpillar and, and just other companies that I was part of and, or worked with. And I thought maybe there's something that he wants me to do with that. Because I wasn't a formal trainer. I wasn't a formal consultant. And I thought, well, maybe that will will even go over better with people if it's just real life stuff. So that's what we do now is we help companies with their work environment. I train leaders. I do that one-on-one. I train a large group of leaders, really just to equip people for that very difficult position. But also to try to to actually change the work environment. And, And I always tell our clients, I can't change it. You all have to change it but I try to give them ideas and and real life things that have worked. And frankly, I'll end here. Half the curriculum that I've written for leadership training were things that I did not do well. I wish I knew. I wish someone would have helped me with. And so I'm just sharing life lessons uh, with folks. Yes, I did some things well, but a lot of things I wish I would have known, like I said. So it's just a real life approach to helping individuals and companies around the world.
0: Yeah. And John, like, that's something I do appreciate about you and your approach is that you're not just a consultant coming and sharing, like, these are best practices from my years of research. It's like, yeah, these are best practices, but they also work in real life. And not only do they work in a, like, a very monotheistic culture, but it works for a variety of cultures and peoples all around the world. And John, I know you're being way too humble. Like, like, I just want anyone listening to know that, specific plans requested his expertise throughout the world because what he did worked. And so I yeah, I just I'm a full I'm a, I'm a fan <laughs> if you haven't guessed already, but yeah
1: Well, and I, I again, I think leadership is difficult and there are and I think a, a key thing is those of you that are listening, are already leaders and maybe struggling with some aspects of that we'll talk about that and and frankly the last couple of years have added a degree of difficulty to that that no one was expecting and really not just the pandemic but also people changing jobs left and right and a lot of a lot of changes Um, but I also think there's people that are thinking I think I want to be a leader and I really want to challenge folks on that because In a lot of organizations, really the only way you can make more money is to take on people. And and unfortunately, there's a lot of people around the world who have taken on a leadership role, maybe because their technical skills were great or whatever, but they really are doing it because of the salary increase or the company vehicle or the company, the office with the window. And I want to be, in our sessions, we talk about nine leadership expectations, and I'm not going to hit all those now, but just realistic expectations if you're going to be a leader of human beings this is what I think you have to be prepared to do and I do want people honestly to go well I don't I don't think I want to do that stuff. So I, I don't care how much money it is I don't want to hold people accountable I don't want to have to do this or that and I think that's okay and I think we we have probably in America made it look like if you don't want to lead people that you're not motivated or you're not gonna add value. And I think that's a big mistake also. So I Mm -hmm. think both sides of it, I think we wanna equip people to be leaders, but also to be honest with people and say that might not be the best path for me.
0: Yeah, gosh, those are good points, John. Like in my prior roles many years ago, when I worked out in California, um, I did a lot of managerial training and worked with a lot of line managers who were promoted because they were really good technicians and they felt really uncomfortable in the actual aspect of, of managing their peers. And it was really hard. And I wanted to say to some of them, gosh, I don't think this is for you. <laughs> and it's hard to have that conversation, especially when, like you just said, there's the perk of being a manager that you get more money, but there's also a lot of responsibility, not just on your own work, but, the the well-being of your employees
1: yeah we've all had supervisors in our lives that have impacted our home life good or bad and we talk about in our sessions i i think about passion you know so we what we call our formulas so to speak the vip way people driven by values that's the v i wanted people at caterpillar driven by values i wanted people driven by information which meant i wanted them to be trained i wanted them to be curious about being trained and learning new things and then passion of course we always know that word we want people to be passionate about what they do well if you think of passion like water in this cup there are all kinds of things putting downward pressure on your passion all day a big part of it is just other human beings it can be technology the internet goes down the machinery breaks down last minute customer requests all those kind of things and then anything you have going on at home is putting downward pressure on your passion could just be an argument with your significant other nothing dramatic but you'll have less passion that day if that's how your morning started out it could be you have a sick child sick parents all these types of things so i really think leaders have to understand that they they, they, they are not ignoring getting the work done but are they are they literally sucking passion out of people's cups
0: yeah. because
1: if the leader is doing that i want i want all of you that are watching this to think if that if, if the employee's cup is empty for whatever reason mm-hmm. probably many reasons but you have contributed to that empty cup now they're taking that empty cup home to their spouse their kids their neighbors their church yeah. you know wh- whoever they interact with and and we've got to look at leadership differently we've got to look at leadership that as this is where people spend the largest part of their waking life and mm-hmm. if, if you're not if you're not equipped and ready to to keep some water in people's cups yeah. It's probably not the right job for you, like like you said. And yeah. and on the technical side of things, we, we get this completely. We don't let people jump into technical jobs without being prepared. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'd like to I'd like to do everyone's taxes and you know do a CPA's job. Well, you don't you don't know how to do taxes and you're not a CPA. I'd yeah. like to jump on that on that fork truck and move pallets around the factory. No, you're not, you know, certified how to use a fork truck. We get it on that side of things. But but for some reason leadership, we go, well, sure, you can you can do it. Just, you know, here you go. Here's the here's the keys and go go deal with people.
0: Yeah. And just like you said, it, it's not, it's like kind of a dangerous thing to do. Just like in the same way, someone who's driving a forklift, if they don't know what they're doing, they could injure someone. And the same with a leader, if they're not effectively trained or at least walked or provided a mentor or a coach. They can do some serious damage to a person. And I I love that analogy of the the cup. So that actually leads me to my next question of, like, you had mentioned once to me that 66% of people are disengaged at work. Do you, would you say that that's just inevitable? (laughs) Or is there something that a leader can actually do about
1: that? Yeah, I don't think it's inevitable. And the sad part is that that those are numbers from a Gallup survey. They do it every year. They call it the Global Engagement Survey. It's basically an employee satisfaction survey that is done in every country. Mm-hmm. They don't even care where you work. They'll just reach out to people online or phone, and they summarize all that. But that 66% that's disengaged. It's pretty interesting because there's roughly 15% that that they call actively disengaged, and these people are are pretty miserable and you know it because they tell you they're miserable. You can, if they don't tell you, you can see it in their body language and their work effort. And, but, but the other huge chunk of that disengaged people, the f- like 50% of the people at work, they're just referred to as disengaged. So they're not kind of off the charts disengaged. They're just kind of what I would say are toes on the line. People, they come, they work, they, they, they're not stepping over the line. They're not, mm-hmm. They're not stealing things, drinking on the job, getting in fist fights, those kinds of things that get you, or tardy all the time, or like, they they, show up. But that's the group I think you can certainly do something about because most companies will deal with the people that are off the charts this mm-hmm. um, But the 50%, I think they could be swayed either way. They could be swayed towards the 35% that are these engaged people that come to work with the right attitudes, embrace change, um, Try their best, right, right behavior, respectful to other employees, or they could go the other direction towards those actively disengaged. And and I also want, I want your audience to understand too, you could be the best leader in the world and you might still get some disengaged people. The, my philosophy is that this whole thing is a two-way street. Like it people, the, the staff or hourly people can't come to work, arms folded, you know, I hate this place. Now somebody make me engaged. <laughs> But that doesn't, that doesn't work. And, and yeah. I, I, the clients I work with, I always, you know, ensure that I get some time with their hourly folks and the staff level folks, because they need to kind of hear the same message that, that you, you play a big role in this. And, and the last thing I'll say with this is those, those 66% that are disengaged, I have compassion for them because I know they likely have things going on at home.
0: Yeah. And
1: it, they may be disengaged because of relationship issues or health issues or a teenager that's dealing with substance abuse issues or whatever. I, I have complete and utter compassion for that,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: but it's still a choice. And, you know, God sends us through lots of storms in our lives. And, and so we have to respond to those storms the right way. The, the 35% that are engaged at work also have things going on at home. Yeah. And I try to make that clear because sometimes I'll hear employees say, well, you know, those people that come to work with the right attitude every day. Well, I know why, because they have perfect lives. They've got the perfect spouse and the perfect kids and the perfect vehicle. and the You know, and, and we know that's not true. Yeah. So, so I, I do want people to understand if you want a culture to be positive and, and get great results that that takes everybody to do that. But, but I don't think it's inevitable that we just kind of give up. And say, well, it's always gonna be like that because you know, I there's some of the facilities I managed for caterpillar the, in Australia specifically, that the employee satisfaction survey we did the first year, or the, it was the year before I got there, it was like 28% positive. In a couple of years, it was like 88% positive. Again, wow. I, I was awesome because we kind of we kind of challenged everybody to be different and, and really mm-hmm. to raise the bar on high expectations, and I think that made a big difference
0: yeah, wow. no, that that's incredible to see that that increase in engagement in just a very short amount of time. So, so John, I guess, can you just paint the picture as to why it's so important for leaders to be good leaders and for employees to be good employees? And I remember once we spoke, we used the example of like when you go to a hotel and how it's important for like the values of the leadership to really be, lived out and expressed in practical and financial ways. Can you, can you walk us through like, again, just why this is so important?
1: Of course, and, and I, so, you know, our little tagline for our company now is basically, you know, positive workplace, excellent results. Because they, I know, cause I've been an executive company, I know business owners, I don't care if it's a tiny little business or if it's a fortune 50 company, Of course they want excellent results. But you know what's interesting is that from the beginning of time, companies want excellent results. Like this isn't hard. Like they want want to deliver all their products and services on time. They want high quality, no defects, no errors. You know, they don't want to hurt employees along the way. No, they want perfect safety records and they want to make a bunch of money no different than every NFL football team wants to win the Super Bowl like it's not real hard to come up with the goals so so I know companies that say well here's our goals and we're going to pay you and give you benefits now let's go make it happen we know and the numbers will tell you it's it's really very low numbers of companies that hit their quarterly goals it's just not good
0: yeah
1: i know that the positive work environment definitely causes better results but you can't just focus on positive working work environment. well we don't really care about the results let's let's just have fun at work and we're going to have ping pong tables everywhere and yeah i mean you that won't work either so leadership leadership says we know there's going to be tough things we know there's going to be downward pressure on this passion there is going to be all those things we talked about you know technology issues and customer issues and people issues and so what happens is, like I said earlier, I don't think companies set high enough ex- expectations for people. What mm-hmm. kind of expectations? Behavioral. So the values—that's the V in the VIP way. We better be very clear what behaviors we want out of people. Mm-hmm. So let's take the word respect. A lot of companies have the word respect on the wall, and and if I ask a, if I pull an employee at random and go, "Are you respectful?" He or she might say, "Well, yes. I don't." I don't use profanity. I don't belittle people. I'm I'm you know, I'm, I'm just very respectful. But I might say, well, are you late for meetings? And they go, well, yeah, but that's different. No, because that's also part of respect. So not only mm-hmm. do companies have to really identify what behaviors do we want, respect, teamwork, integrity, but we better describe it.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: if we leave it to chance, where they go, oh no, every employee knows what teamwork means. I don't think so. it might be different in an office versus a factory versus a call center versus a hospital like we better spell it out so i think that when getting to the hotel example here in a second we better have clear behavioral examples and we better have clear performance examples Mm -hmm. so what, what am i going to be measured on in this job is it just did i show up on time or is it also going to be the quality of my work the timeliness so I've used this example before, like if, if if you check into a hotel, I do, anybody that's listening, if you check into a hotel for business or pleasure, do you want the person that's going to clean your room? This, this most likely a young lady, for some reason, hotels don't usually pick men to clean hotels. Why that. is that? Yeah, well, I know why that is, but anyway. Uh, but, but if it's a young lady that's going to clean your room, you, you will likely never meet her. Because usually she's cleaning your room at 10 in the morning when you're gone, whatever. Mm-hmm. But do I want her to be a person driven by values? Of course. And mm-hmm. when I ask my audiences this, that they'll do it in two seconds. They'll go, well, of course. I'll go, well, why?" Well, I want her to have great work ethic. Because if, she, if I'm in that room, I'm hoping she has cleaned the room to the highest standards. I I mean, she could have just tucked the sheets in from the last person. And you go, oh, that's <laughs> But she could have, like, she could take the the cup in the bathroom and just wipe it on her shirt and put it back. So, yes, I want her to be a values-driven person because I I think a values-driven person will do a much better job. I also want her to be a values-driven person if I stay. I was in in Atlanta last week. I stayed in a hotel for four or five nights. Mm -hmm. That maid was in my room a whole bunch of times when I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I had stuff in the room. So I hope she's a values person in terms of just basic integrity and ethics. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I want her to be informed? The I and the VIP way? Yes, because if she's trained, there's a much higher likelihood that she will do the right things if she has been taught what the right things are. Mm -hmm. If the company just pulled her in off the street, you know, interviewed her for 30 minutes and went, go clean rooms, that's a risk yeah and then and then do i want her to be passionate about her job well of course now sometimes my my audiences will go no really will somebody be passionate about cleaning hotel rooms Uh, here's what i hope she's passionate about human beings because i know that may not be her dream job or she may not do it for 10 years
0: Mm -hmm. but human beings
1: stay in those rooms all Mm -hmm. different kinds of people all different incomes all different races all different ages babies are in those rooms I hope the person cleaning that hotel room has a passion for human beings because Mm -hmm. it's a customer service job. It's different than a cashier, but passion for people, passion for her coworkers, because she spends 40 or 50, 60 hours with them. She doesn't have to be their best friends, but I hope they care about each other. And, And I really hope she has a passion for her supervisor because he or she should hold her to high standards like we talked about. But I also hope her supervisor cares that she's a mom. And she has a life after five o'clock. And so those of you that are listening, if you if and for any reason you look at your employees as just names on a roster, you're missing it because they are human beings. And I need, you know, I would I want you to be passionate about their lives outside of work. Doesn't mean you have to participate in their lives after work, but you no. should care. So the long story short of that whole hotel thing is this: if Valentina, if you checked into a hotel. And they went, hey, we're doing something different now. You get to choose the, the, the maid that's going to clean your room. And you go, well, that, that's bizarre. I've never heard this before. Yep, we here's our list. We've got eight of them. So two of these maids, just to help you with your decision. Two of these, these, these people that clean the rooms, they are values-driven, informed, and passionate, the VIP. The other six aren't. So your choice. And and no matter what audience I've been in any part of the world, every person in the audience says, I'm going to pick the VIP folks,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because it's your health, your, the cleanliness around you, your family, your stuff. We have very high standards for people that touch us in our personal lives.
0: Uh,
1: who, Who again, cleans our hotel rooms, who repairs our vehicles, who cooks the food at the restaurant we go to, who teaches our child. We have very high standards for those people. We want awesome people around our families.
0: Mm -hmm. but frankly,
1: some people aren't acting like that at work. So that's Mm -hmm. where I try to make this stuff as simple as possible. You don't have to have a PhD from Harvard to understand leadership principles or the things we just talked about.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And just even using that example, like for an, like a hotel manager who might say, yes, I, I want my employees to, to have strong values or to be informed or to be passionate. And yet, they don't follow that up with actually paying them at, at a standard that actually like reflects that then then it kind of begs the question like do you really want that or like
1: exactly. so that i i think that's interesting that you bring that up yeah it's got all these pieces have to come together now you don't i think if you have an awesome work environment you don't you may not have to pay the highest in the in the area because that's what's happening now. People, the, you know, the employees almost have the employers over a barrel to some point. And they're like, if you don't pay me more, I'm quitting. And they'll go somewhere else. Well, that, that game eventually you, you'll lose the game because you, yeah. you can keep paying people more and more and more and more and someone will always pay more. Mm-hmm. And if that's, if that's what a person is, is running after then they'll probably go do that um, maybe for the next 20 years. However, back to keeping water in your bottle If we think, man, I'm spending 40, 50, or 60 hours here. Yes, to your point, I've got to to be paid on a market-based wage, market-based benefits. And you can't pay people five bucks an hour and go, but our culture's awesome. (laughs) They're they're gonna go, no, I gotta pay my bills. However, I do think there's less chance that they leave for 50 cents an hour or more because they, they have to think, yes, I might make a little bit more money down the street, but I don't want to leave this culture because I'm treated well here. I, I love my coworkers. Yes, we have some rough days like every workplace has, but yeah, I think that's where culture really comes in, in the in the churning times we have now,
0: mm-hmm. all the more
1: reason for companies to focus on their culture.
0: Yeah. Okay. So John, you've talked a little bit about the VIP way, um, but can you break it down just even further? Um, like, so what does it mean to be a leader that, that uses that that model or that formula?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, like I said, the first part of that, that process is setting high expectations. So again, behavioral expectations, results of expectations, most companies don't do that. They're very basic, hey, we need you to start on Monday and you'll make this much money and be here at eight o'clock in the morning. And then we wonder why you know people aren't awesome because we, we really <laughs> haven't set the bar high enough yeah. in terms of behavior and results. I think the next part is, clearly training people on those expectations, like all levels of people, like what do those look like? And it's interesting. We do, when we, we have multi-company sessions where we bring people from all different companies in and train them on this, on these leadership concepts. And sometimes our basic program takes about three days, like, you know, three, six, seven hour days. Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell right away, some companies go, I don't, we, I don't think we can you know, do that. I mean, that, that's too much time. Well, think about this, right? Three divided by 365 is 0.8. So if you basically you're saying we, we can't give up 0.8% of our year to have people be better leaders. Now it sounds really silly. Yeah. And so, so I think the best companies, and, and by the way, when we do this, we're very flexible. If, if a client says, we don't want to do three days in a row, we want to do three Fridays in a row or one Friday, okay, we'll figure it out. But the yeah. point is, not only do we have to set these expectations, we have to be very clear with all levels of people, what does it look like in daily practice? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then I do think all of that should be written down. Like it, it should be, we call it a culture guide. I don't mean that. It's not the same That's as the same. handbook. That's not when you get your third week of vacation and what's the inclement weather policy. It's not the same. It's, this is who we are. These are our our leadership and employee expectations, which by the way, are basically the same concepts, just worded a little differently. Mm -hmm. I think it has to be written down. And then the the fourth part of it is the accountability piece, which comes down to individual performance reviews of some type, they don't have to be fancy, they don't have to be complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that we do that's unique, and I I did this when I was at Caterpillar, is to get upward feedback. Uh, I wanted like when I was in Japan, I was basically responsible for 10,000 people. Well, wow. I, I didn't see leaders. I, I wasn't watching my supervisors, managers, vice presidents, whatever. I had to get feedback from their direct reports. Mm-hmm. So so now are, do, do, do the direct reports believe their leader is he or she living out the expectations they were trained on? And yeah. I'm telling you, most companies don't do that piece either. Yeah. So we, we give, we give, we give performance reviews to staff level people, but those staff level people rarely get a chance to give feedback on their boss.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: I think that piece is missing. So, and then obviously, you know, kind of the normal employee satisfaction survey, that yeah. doesn't have to be complicated, but that's kind of just taking the pulse. What do people think of their pay, their benefits, the facility in which they work? Do they feel, is it safe? Is it clean? Is it whatever? Like companies sometimes don't want to do that survey either. Because we'd rather just leave it in the dark and not hear what people are on people's minds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean if people say our pay and benefits, if they disagree that we have a good benefits program, that doesn't mean you have to change everybody's benefits. But you might have to communicate where are our benefits compared to the industry, whatever. So mm-hmm. those are the four pieces I think have to be in place. It's not complicated. But, but leaders... Those that have direct reports really have to be open to that feedback from from the folks that they lead. Mm-hmm. That one of the main reasons I wanted that upward feedback was to just see how leaders handled that. Mm. Let's say they got some statements, they got some feedback that wasn't fantastic.
0: Did mm-hmm.
1: well, they go, "Well, I'll tell you why. It's because all our people are terrible, <laughs> and, and like I'm awesome and they're terrible. <laughs> That's probably why the numbers came out. I don't want to see that. Yeah. I also don't want to see people just crushed and going, oh, I must be the worst leader that's ever lived. And I'll just quit because I obviously can't do this. No, yeah. I want to see maturity in people getting constructive criticism. So, yeah. so those are kind of the pieces. And again, it, it, it really comes back to the umbrella of the V and the I and the P. Strong values, people that are being trained, that's the informed part. And are we, are we fueling passion in folks? And by the way, one big part of fueling passion in folks is are we holding people accountable? Mm. Because your best employees, you don't want their cup being empty because Mm -hmm. they're watching Mary or Bill who are not being held accountable. Mm -hmm. Why don't we hold Mary to doing her job? She's, She's very nice. She's kind. But she takes way too long to do her job. And she makes mistakes, and now I have to go clean up her mistakes. And that sucks the water out of my cup. Mm-hmm. On the other side of things, Bill, Bill is great at his job. He's a great accountant, he's a great welder, he's a great salesperson, but his behavior is awful. He he is disrespectful to people. He the way he talks, he's belittle, whatever it is. Your best employees, we call them stars, high values, high performance. They're going, really? You're not going to deal with these people? Yeah. And that now sucks the water out of my cup. Mm -hmm. And that, I'm telling you, those of you that are watching this, because I was terrible at holding people accountable early on, because I had a heart for people. I just didn't want to have difficult conversations. That, especially nowadays, the last thing you want to do is chase off your best people. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: And if you don't hold people accountable to their behaviors or their performance, you're going to chase your best people off. Yeah.
0: And honestly, to that point, like it's hard to give. To be to hold people accountable, but it's a lot easier to do so if you've already set the expectations from the beginning, so they're not surprised. They're not like, oh, I didn't know that I had to show up on time, or I didn't know that that's what you meant by respect. Like, it's a lot easier to have that conversation when it's already happened.
1: <laughs> Much easier, Valentina. And I think we we miss that. You know, we that's the chance when you, especially when you're interviewing people. I would spend a lot more time and talk about all these things. Now, now I, I took over facilities that were struggling. So I had to almost like reset the expectations mm. for existing employees, but we, we used to joke at Caterpillar, like we had to wear safety glasses, you know, 24 seven wall to wall. When we'd interview people, we go, well, you wear your safety glasses 24 seven. They'd go, well, of course, because I, you know, I want to get this job. So then, like you said, a month later, a week later, whatever, even a year later, I noticed they have their safety glasses on their head. And I say, I um, need your glasses on. And I said that because A, it was a company expectation. It wasn't a John Harrison expectation. B, I, I care about their vision. Mm-hmm. And if they don't care about their vision, it makes me really nervous. So not only did I talk to them about that, but I did document that conversation, not to be a jerk because I wanted to see a change. And like you said, if they went, oh, Really, you're gonna to talk to me about my safety glasses? Absolutely we are, because you've already agreed to this expectation. And mm-hmm. and I think I like, got like I said, I had a heart for people and I, I'd think, well, I won't say anything because they'll they'll be better tomorrow. Or but you know other employees are watching going, You're you're not you're gonna let that go. Yes. So I think that so that's one of our nine expectations that we train leaders on. Okay. We, we just get into real stuff about that because that' It, that, like you said, valentine if that's if that that's like you open up that door where people get quote are getting away with things, mm-hmm. not only will your stars maybe leave your company, the worst thing might be is that your stars drift into being one of those disengaged people. Yeah, that's probably why there's fifty percent of that group because some of them started off up here and they've just drifted.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that's such a good point, John. Like. In your experience, like, what would you say to someone who was promoted up? So they used to be um, a technician or an analyst or whatever role it might be. And because of their effectiveness, they were now promoted to be a manager. And so that they're now managing their peers, which is an awkward <laughs> place to be. But, like, what what advice would you give to someone in that position?
1: I think one of the first things you have to do in that case is to just be honest and humble and talk to your folks and say, I, I have been, you know, my job now as the leader of this group is to serve you. I, you know, you, you, can, you can think whatever reason I got this job, you can be happy that I got it, you can be frustrated I got it, but, but ultimately we are here to take care of our customers. And that's what we have to do. But my job as your leader is to help you all be successful. And so I'm going to try to keep water in your cup, but we are going to have to have high expectations because I I used to tell people this, Valentina, I would say, let's pretend there's a customer attached to your belt all day long. Like Mm -hmm. the the customer would say, well, I I hope you're going to hold them to high expectations. And even though you have been their peer and now you're the supervisor, manager, whatever, I, I expect you to hold them to high expectations. But I also expect you as the customer to help them do their jobs. And I think sometimes people come in and they, they almost feel apologetic for becoming the leader. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm, I just don't want to say anything because I know they probably you know are judging me and hate me for being the new boss.
0: Mm-hmm. Or they
1: come in like a tornado and you know you all just can bow down because I'm here and everything's going to be talking <laughs> because I'm here. Well, I don't think it's either of those. I think it's saying th- this this is what I'm going to, you know, my job is to help you succeed but I need you to, to do your part. And I will just say this, cause this came up last week when I was with a group, I had somebody say, well, one of my friends is now my direct report. And he's kind of pushing back on me a little bit. Like, Hey, we're friends. Like, don't, don't, don't document the fact that I was tardy this morning or don't. And, and this is what I said. People that were your real friends would never do that. If, if. It's true. If I went to work for you, Valentina, and I would say, hey, because we're friends, I'm going to do everything I can to have you succeed as as the leader here. So you're not going to have to worry about me. You're not going to have to worry about my behavior or my performance. I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect, but I'm going to do everything I can because I want you to be successful because I care about you. Mm -hmm. So, But that rarely happens. What happens is the the, the quote friends are going, Hey, could you just look the other way on that? And, and you go, no, I really can't. I have to document that. And I go, really? We, we've, we've known each other for 10 years and our kids play together and you're going to, that's not what a friend would say. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: all the more reason to have very clear expectations because that way it doesn't matter who it is. We're, you know, we're not going to look the other way on those types of things. So I really think just coming in humbly and saying, I, I don't know everything. I'm going to try to do everything I can to, to have you be successful, but ultimately our customers.
0: Yeah. Oh, that is so good, John. Like, thanks for answering that on, <laughs> like you're on the spot. Um, okay. So related to that, I know we've been focusing a lot on, on leaders and how to become a more effective leader. One thing that I, I would just love clarity on is in the area of values, Values might mean different things to different people, and, and you touched on that earlier, but how can a leader go about clarifying or stating values in a way that, that is consistent, regardless of the person and their position?
1: Yeah, and I think it's, it's very likely, by the way, that there's people watching this, listening to this, that they go, well, our company doesn't have a set of core values. So I'm not the CEO or the vice president of human resources, so I guess I can't do anything. Well, my first response to that is absolutely not. Come up with them for your own group. If your company doesn't have a set, say, okay, for our little group, and here's, here's how I used to do this. I would I would ask them, maybe in a staff meeting or whatever, what behaviors would you like us to be known for? Like, like when you come excuse me, when you come to work, what would you like uh, to be that, like the guiding principles of how we behave? Now, maybe you say, and I'm not saying you do that and have them all respond in the meeting, but you mm-hmm. might say over the next week, I'm going to email all of you. And I want you to give me three words, behaviors that you would like us to be known for. And it's optional. They don't, they don't have to do it, but mm-hmm. but it would be strange for me if they didn't do it because, because now it's like, well, you're, okay, fine. You're forfeiting your chance to give some input. That's on you. But, mm-hmm. but here's what I've seen 95% of the time. The words you're going to get from people at all levels, all ages, all races, all, you know what they're going to be? They're going to be words like integrity and teamwork, clearly respect. And so now you get them involved in that. And the cool thing is you don't have to share everyone's feedback with the whole group, but I can say, okay, I heard from all of you and Clearly respect was one of the most common themes, but here's the cool thing. Let's say nobody put in the term embracing change, which I feel should be in every company's core values, Yes. better embrace change. So let's say nobody turned that one in on the email or the post-it notes or however you gather the information. Well, guess what? Now you get to put that one in and you could say, well, here's what I heard and, and looks like the top five are respect integrity, teamwork, embracing change, and you know, whatever. And so that gets them involved. They've come up with the word. So it wasn't like you just said, hey, by the way, starting Monday, here's our behaviors. (laughs) And And then to your point, once that list is finalized, one step further says, let's come up with some bullet points of what teamwork looks like in our group. What would that look like? it could be something as simple as, man, we answer each other's phones if, it, if it's one of those situations, like a call center. Mm-hmm. We we make sure that when people go on vacation, we cover for them so they're not stressed out while they're on vacation. Mm-hmm. Or, or worse yet, they don't even take vacations because they know when they come back after three to five days off, like it's miserable. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would do it, is I get people just to enunciate what that looks like. And mm-hmm. by the way, when that Little document is done. Everyone's going to agree with it. No one's going to say that's stupid. You know that that's ridiculous. Now the hard part is going to be: will they actually live it? Yeah. But, but that's I would do it very organically and very simply, okay. um, and just get them. And again, if you're now, let's say your company does have a set of corporate core values. Well, now you've you have to work is done. You've got the words. But let's take those and ask, okay, what is what do our corporate core values look like in practice every day? That, that's mm-hmm. how I would do it.
0: No, that's that's really good. Okay, one more question to because yeah. I I love picking your brain on this. Let, let's look at it now from like the standpoint of the employee, where they they're like your your stars as you describe them. Like they they love coming into work. They they're good at what they do. They they put in hundred percent, maybe hundred and ten percent, and they have a manager who is not the best (laughs) who micromanages them who um isn't concerned about career growth or maybe doesn't know how to have that conversation with them so what do they do do they just stay or like what would you recommend
1: it's an awesome question because i think it's happening every day of our lives all over the workplace at at a minimum it's interesting you said this because i just had a conversation with somebody this morning uh, at a coffee shop about this. So he's oh. in that he's at that he's in that position he he's kind of wondering should I stay should I quit. And so my first advice always is have you had the conversation with your supervisor? Have you enunciated again what what am I what do I need clarification on? What am I frustrated by? Like I and I wouldn't I wouldn't go into those conversations like, well, I'm a star and you're a terrible supervisor. So, um, I need you to change because that, that probably won't go well yeah probably not uh, i think what you do is say, i i have interest in either taking on more responsibility if that's what your goal is you know it, for some people they don't want to move up they don't want to they might want to be just taking on some new challenges They maybe what their goal is to be left alone like you said like they're being micromanaged so i would enunciate uh first of all say this is this is what Uh, how I would define success for me, taking on new challenges, getting a promotion, make sure that's clear. And then I would always start off by, I know there's things I need to do better to get there. I I obviously have areas that where I need improvement and growth. And these are what I think they are. Do you agree with that list? Like Mm. come in humble. You don't come in like I'm fantastic and I'm just not getting promoted. So I think that, if you start a conversation off like that, it's pretty hard for the supervisor just to dismiss you. Yeah. Um, I want to see the supervisor's response to that. Like, is that, is that, is he or she listening to me? Are they, are they wanting me to succeed? Are they wanting to come alongside my goals? But here's ultimately what I say to people. And this is what I said to this person this morning. If, if you've done the right things, you've gone and Like your heart's clean, you you could you could go to the Lord and say, I've been very humble and clear about what I want to do here. I'm Mm -hmm. not I'm not coming in arrogant. If I always kind of do it this way, if if your personal values are going the opposite direction of the company, that might be a good reason to look at something else.
0: Yeah.
1: On the flip side, if you're just if you are aligned with the company values, but you've just gone through a tough time, it could have been COVID. It could be, man, we had to work 70 hours the last three weeks because of X. I would say that's not a good reason to leave a company if you're just going through a tough season. And, you know, we have to really think about that. Like, I think we have a throwaway society sometimes and it could be throwaway with marriage or jobs. And man, we got into a tough time and I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. So I, I never think that's the right approach, but I also would never say, we'll just stick around at that company for 50 years and be miserable every day. Yeah. But, but I think we've got to do some soul searching and introspection to say, if I leave company a and go to company B, will all my problems go away or is it possible I'm bringing some of those with me? So yeah. I do think I, I don't, I, 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 told this person this morning, if you choose to leave, make sure you could look to the Lord and say, I have been very honest and clear about my shortcomings as well. And I'm trying to make things better in this, in this current company. And if, if the company doesn't respond, the the leader doesn't respond, okay, now you've got a different decision to make.
0: Yeah. Gosh, that is excellent advice, John. And again, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that it is important for each of us to take that moment to, to just reflect, like, what are things that That might be contributing to my unhappiness at this job that that may be on me that I can affect um and I yeah I think that's important for us to each do that so for someone who is at that point where they're like okay like I I want to be a better employee like I want to be promoted what advice like what have you appreciated and I have a feeling I know what you're going to say in the the people that you've managed like those star employees like what has set them apart like what has made you want to promote them i know everyone's different but
1: of course no i, I think it is it's it really is this kind of combination of of course i want people that are confident but confident but also humble which it seems you know that, that seems those seems to be opposites but no i want somebody that has goals whether that that doesn't mean they become the ceo they have goals again to take on challenges or whatever it is, but I do want them to realize uh, the people that I saw as stars—they—they—they could—they could be honest about their shortcomings, like you just said. They could laugh at themselves a little bit, but—but but ultimately, I talked about like pretend there's a customer on your belt. The people that on the other belt loop, I would put whoever you want on that belt loop that you want to—you um, really, you know, pay credence to. It could be the Lord. Like, okay, I'm going to make sure that, that when, when I my eight hours is done or my ten hours, w- would the Lord say, you, you did your best today? It might be your spouse. It might be your kids. It might be all three of those folks hanging on your belt. But I, I tried to, when I went through my my day, I know I had bosses that were frustrating and maybe morally, ethically, just behaviorally weren't who I I didn't want them. I wasn't proud of who they were in that regard, but I always thought, what's my response going to be to that? So let's say I have a boss that's kind of a jerk. And I think, well, fine, if you're going to be a jerk, I'll just be a jerk right back to you. And I remember thinking, you know, I've got three daughters and what if my daughters saw that in me? And they'd say, well, oh, well, dad, like, I guess, I guess if you've got a, a difficult boss, I guess if we have difficult teachers, we can just be disrespectful to them. And so I think Ultimately, a star employee says, "Yes, I'm focusing on results, of course, but I am going to focus on behavior, and I'm going to answer to to someone, something bigger than this company, which again might be your, might be the Lord, it might be your family, it might be all that. Like I said, because ultimately, at the end of our three-day sessions, we talk about legacy, and I always tell employees, you 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 are all definitely going to leave your company by only one of four ways. You're going to quit." you're gonna get fired, you're gonna retire, or unfortunately, you could die on the job. I hate to say that, but the, the, you're all gonna leave by one of those four methods. And when you leave, you're going to leave a legacy behind. And you all, we all know this, there have been people that have left our workplaces and we go, their legacy is they were a pain. <laughs> like, like, I'm glad they're gone, they were a pain in the butt. Yeah. Well, we don't, I don't think down deep, we want that to be our legacy. Mm-hmm. So, so even if you don't love your job or love your boss, what's the legacy going to be? And the legacy, when you leave, by the way, will not be your technical skills. It's not going to be, man, that person was a great accountant or a great, you know, salesperson. Our legacy is completely tied to how we, the impact we made on other human beings. And by the way, yes, you're going to leave your company, but you're definitely going to leave this earth. And, and sometimes at, maybe at your age, Valentine, we're not thinking legacy. Well, at 57, I'm thinking legacy a little more because there's less time in front of me than behind me. Yeah. But I, I think that's important that, that it, again, it doesn't mean we, we put up with unethical behavior or, or, you know, behavior that is, you know, harassment or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But if I am going to leave, however I leave, what will people say about me when I'm gone? And mm-hmm. that's, That's ultimately on us, even if the boss is a jerk.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. Thank you. So as we wrap up our time together, John, just two final questions for you. One, do you have any lasting advice for either a leader to become more effective even though you've shared a lot of great tips already today or for an employee? Is there anything that you just, any lasting advice you wanna provide?
1: Well, I guess I'd I'd end with this. Like what, you know, we talk about a star. Again, that's high behavior, high performance. Are are you clear in your mind what that looks like? And if you're not clear, then I'd spend some time doing that. I'd make sure, and then I would run that past your supervisor manager. This is my definition that I feel like if I'm doing these things that I'm, you know, I'm a star. make sure he or she agrees with that. Um, I do think not to get too, you know, warm and fuzzy, but I think some kind of personal mission statement that says, no matter what I'm doing, my, my, I should be defined by, again, the legacy I leave behind. My job might be a IT analyst. My job might be I'm a cook. My job might be I'm a car mechanic, but that's I would not have that define you. I would say my job for the 40, 50, 60 hours is to bring joy to people, is to help other people be better. And we do this in our sessions. We ask people like, what would you like to be remembered for? And it's always things like that. I want to inspire others. I want, to. well, I would make sure like, let let that be your title. And then, well, I just, that's my title is to inspire others or to make other people successful. And I just happen to be assigned as a car mechanic right now. But, but I could go from being a car mechanic to being, uh, you know, a salesman to being an accountant and my title would never change. I'm my, so I think that personal mission, I don't think we think about that. And so we get Mm -hmm. wrapped up in our actual job titles and the size of our office and our parking place and how much money we're making. And I would, I would reverse that. And I would just say, what do you want to be again? What do you want to be known for? Run Mm -hmm. that past your family and say, am I living this out? Because mm-hmm. we joke about this sometimes, but if you say, "I want to be the best parent," that's really my guiding force in life. And you frame it and hang that on the wall. Your kids might go, "Like, well, Mom, can we talk about that a little bit before <laughs> before we frame that?" I think there's some things that you know we need to talk about. So mm-hmm. I really think that's ultimately it. Is um, we know down deep what really matters. And I think, like I said, we get we get so tied up with things that are kind of silly, traffic. And, you know, just how long the line is at the grocery store and all these kind of, like, we need to really think, I'm spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week at my, quote, job. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean if you have this personal mission statement that you're not going to have bad days. Well, of course right. you are. Yeah. But but it should redirect you and go, okay, that was a bad day, but I still was able to inspire some people today. I still helped someone be successful. I, I kept some water in somebody's cup. Yeah and i do think sometimes disengaged employees don't realize that they are they're always blaming the boss and the company i get it but you realize there could be just a peer and that negative peer is sucking the water out of everybody's cup and so so don't be that person don't you can can be frustrated by whatever but are you keeping some water in people's cups and that might just mean uh, just a little pat on the back Or, or hey can i help you with that or hey, I know your mom's been sick. How's she doing? Th- that's I think that ultimately we and again, I'm not trying to get too just you know emotional about this because we all have bills to pay and jobs to do. But I think if we change our mindset, both as leaders and employees, of, of really trying to keep that water in people's cups, I think mm-hmm. I think our days go much better.
0: Yeah. Wow, well, John, I feel like I could keep talking to you all day long (laughs) and i'm sure others listening will feel the same way thank you so much for your advice for sharing about your formula your your model and so for anyone who would like to learn more about you either to listen to your podcast that you have uh, even to attend any of your training sessions or potentially be coached by you where can they find you
1: yeah, and this is always hard for me because I don't like to self-promote at all. So and you Oh, you but know, please do. <laughs> but yeah, so um John Harrison, J-O-N, John, not J-O-H-N, J-O-N, John Harrison, V I P That'll take you to our website and all that stuff's out there. But this, I just want you to know we've got a very small team of people, and we all share this mission to make um to make these 40, 50, 60 hours different. And and like I said, I'm I'm sharing just a lot of mistakes that I made along the way and pain. So thanks for let me just chat a little bit. And I, I'm honored that you asked. Um, you know, I think the world of you. And I, I, if I can, if anything I said today helped somebody, then it was worth our time. But if they want to reach out, uh, that's that's a way to find. me. Awesome.
0: All right. Thank you so much, John. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll join you on the next episode. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>